Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us uh, at Every Nation New Jersey. And so uh, if you've been tracking uh, with us for the last several months, we've been going through the Gospel of John. And and I just got to tell you uh, something that took place uh, last night to kind of help frame where we're headed uh, here this morning. And so uh, um, so just to shoot you straight, I was, I was sitting at uh, the kitchen counter and I had a fistful of flicker. And um, for the two of you that like the natural National Hockey League, uh, you you know this uh, that yesterday was the opening night for the NHL. And so I was watching the NHL Network. Don't worry, I read my Bible before it, okay? But I was watching TV, and the NHL Network was on, and, and they were actually going through uh, these different teams, uh, their home openers. And so they, they focused on the Boston Bruins, and uh, they were doing this uh, extravagant uh, opening night ceremony, and they had all the, the legends of the Boston Bruins kind of show up that night, and they would put a spotlight on them, and all the fans were just losing their mind, and the, the Hall of Famers like like Ray Bork and, and Bobby Orr, and if you don't know who those guys are, shame on you. But then uh, they, they brought up this guy by the name of Cam Neely, and uh, and then they started rolling into this montage uh, of Cam Neely's highlights, and in it was a highlight of him beating the snot out of me. <laughs> and I'm like I told my wife, I'm like, baby, there I am, there I am, I'm getting beat up, right? And and so uh, it was so funny. Uh, so so she kind of missed it, and and then uh, funny enough, like like an hour later, they had on tape delay, they showed the same uh, ceremony on ESPN. And so I, I, I brought my daughter and, and my, my wife and I'm like, baby, baby, here it comes. Uh, and then they showed the same scene again of Cam Neely kicking the trash out of me, right? And so uh, I, I say all that to say, you know what, at the time when I was getting beat up, uh, uh, it didn't feel like much of a highlight. But now I was like, so you got to check this out. Look at I'm on TV getting beat up, right? Uh, I'd say this, it was a highlight that didn't feel like one, right? And, and, and that's kind of where we're headed today, is uh, we're gonna see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and it's gonna be a highlight of the life of Jesus, but in this moment, it sure doesn't feel like one. And so, um, uh, the you know, the, the word uh, Gethsemane, it, it literally means an oil press. It, it means to be pressed. And it's amazing, as you, as you look at the life of Jesus, he walked in all this power and authority, doing miracles, and but yet yet in this moment, in the garden, when when life and the, the weight of the sin of the world presses him, man, like Jesus uh, is going to look frail and fragile, like he's going to be so overcome with anxiety that he's going to sweat uh, drops of blood. And so like, like this moment when we see Jesus, it is a highlight, but it doesn't feel like one at the time. And so uh, um, I'm going to actually read two accounts uh, of the Garden of Gethsemane. We're in the book of John. I'll, I'll begin with that one. John's gospel is the last gospel written. And so he pulls out and he just kind of fills in 
all the holes that, that the other three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that, that they don't fill in. And so, so John will say something, but then we're going to go to the gospel of Mark. And it's almost like we're double clicking on the Garden of Gethsemane. And Mark takes us in deep, closer to what took place actually inside the garden. And so that's where we're heading. John chapter 18, starting in verse 1. It says this, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook, the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. That's important. Uh, verse 3, so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And then Jesus, knowing uh, all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, who do you seek? And now let's let's double click on Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. And Mark's going to take us deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse, verse 32, it says, uh, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. That's Jesus' three. And it says, He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on his face, uh, fell onto the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. It, it was the cup of suffering, uh, the righteous wrath of God. And it says, Yet not what I will, but what you will. Verse 37, And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know uh, what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. And so um, here's just a, a couple points I, I want to dial down on here this morning as we look at the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, the first point is this, is, is uh, did you know that your life and mine is playing out between two gardens? We, we live between two gardens. And so, so let me illustrate it this way. Is, um, so it was, it was Thanksgiving Day, 1974, and two rock icons, John Lennon and Elton John, performed at MSG, Madison Square Gardens. And uh, get this, it, it would be the final time John Lennon would ever perform uh, in public because um, it was only just a, a little while later that, that he would die an untimely death when, when a crazed man would put four bullets in his back in, in Manhattan's uh, Upper West Side. And so the world was mourning his death, but more so Elton John uh, was Lennon's dear friend. And so after the loss of his friend, there was something kind of cathartic about writing a song. And so Elton John and, and his lyricist, uh, uh, Bernie Taupin, uh, they actually wrote a song and it was called Empty Garden. 
and in and, and it, he, he, the lyrics were unbelievably powerful. And it, it's kind of this metaphor of now Madison Square Garden, it's empty because there's no John Lennon. That, that Lennon, uh, he, care, he kept a, uh, a garden, a, a rooftop garden there, but now there's no one to tend to it, right? And so the, the lyrics are unbelievably haunting. And, and there's this deep sense of loss, you know, in, in a real way. Do you know that there's another empty garden and it is, is the garden of Eden. And in the hu- human soul, there's this deep, profound sense of lost. So, so get this. Um, you and I live between two gardens. The book of Genesis, chapter 2, it tells us about the garden of Eden. And then if you fast forward all the way to the end of your Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it is the garden of God. And you and I are living between these two gardens. And if you're familiar, we've said this often, that that the, the term Eden, it means delight. It was this paradise on earth when man enjoyed paradise and the very presence of God. Uh, let me read to you a, a poem. This is my, my second poem ever uh, here at Every Nation uh, New Jersey. It was written by Dorothy Frances Gurney. And it's called God's Garden. It reads like this. It says, the kiss of the sun for pardon, the song of the birds for mirth. One is nearer God's heart in a garden than anywhere else on earth. And do you know what? In the garden of Eden, man walked with his God, right? And Adam and Eve were tasked to cultivate this garden and protect it. We were to be God's gardener, right? And that we were to fill the earth and subdue it, to make the earth uh, look like and feel like Eden, a delightful place. And, and if you're a thinker, you should be thinking, hey, well, well, God wants us to protect it. Protect it from what? And in Genesis 3, uh, it's the first time God is not, not in the narrative of the Bible. And who comes onto the scene? A serpent, right? A snake. Uh, you know, it's funny. It, it, the Bible is clear. It says the serpent was more subtle than the other beasts. In other words, uh, he was conniving. He didn't seem like a threat or a danger. Uh, but here's what, what the serpent did. He started to spew lies uh, about who God was and who Adam and Eve were, right? And these lies begin to spew out. And here's what I need you to tell. Uh, a lie is unbelievably dangerous. Like, like a lie left unchecked will grow into a lion, roaring around seeking whom he might devour. And, and if you're familiar with the story, this subtle serpent in Genesis chapter 2, at the end of the book, in the book of Revelation, he's grown to a man-eating dragon, right? And so we must take care of the life of our mind and replace the lies of the devil with the truth of Almighty God's word. But Adam and Eve, they believed the lie uh, that somehow God was holding out on them, and they could be a better God than God himself. They ate of the forbidden fruit, and in so doing, they they rebelled against God. Uh, So they were thrust out of Eden, paradise, had been lost and outside the presence of God now in the presence of a sin broken world life pressed Adam and Eve and in that moment it became crystal clear they weren't God 
and that God was indeed good. Right. And so so today, when, when I see that when life presses people, I, I always see like one of two responses. It's either going to press you in to the Lord or it'll, it'll drive you away from God Almighty. And so uh, in our text, I, I thought it, it was just kind of neat. We read it that, that Jesus, uh, he would often meet with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. He, he would meet with his disciples in the press. And, and it's so fascinating. I feel like even 2,000 years later, when you and I are pressed, here's what we can count on. Man, Jesus is near. He's near to us. Like, like the psalmist in Psalm 34, he says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And so it's, it's fascinating. Like I find in my own life, when life presses me, it, it has this sobering effect on me. And I realize, man, I'm not all that. And I need a savior. I need a comforter. And so, but between the Garden of Eden and the Garden of God in the book of Revelation, there's another garden, the Garden of of Gethsemane. And, and in that Garden of Gethsemane, we're going to see that, man, that, that our Savior is going to be pressed uh, with the weight uh, of sin, the weight of the cross. It's going to press our Savior. And we're going to see this moment. It's, it's a highlight that doesn't look like a highlight at the time. But, but here's what's really happened. Do you know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, the, the first Adam, uh, he, he, dis, he betrayed God in the Garden. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, he obeyed God in the garden. And what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, right? J Jesus did what Adam and Eve did not. Um, that that um, the first Adam failed to trust God concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and plundered us all uh, into sin. But Jesus, he decided to trust his heavenly father concerning the tree otherwise known as the cross, and in so do doing, purchase salvation for you uh, and for me. He See, he gave us, now we have entrance into the garden of Almighty God. And here's what's so funny, like John, uh, he does something a little bit sneaky in his gospel. In John chapter 20, verse 15, uh, uh, Jesus has risen from the dead, and, and Mary Magdalene uh, sees him in the garden, and, and it says that he didn't. she didn't recognize him. And John says, she thought, he was the gardener. Well, you know what? And in fact, Jesus indeed was the gardener. He is the true gardener of God, the one who can cultivate life and get us into the very garden of God. And so um, uh, uh, here's point number two is this too. When, when sin and life pressed Jesus, he reached for two things. He reached to prayer and he reached to people. He reached to prayer, and he reached to people. And so, so let's look at this. Like, let's talk about prayer. Do you know uh, when you feel pressed, care, weight, anxiety, stress? Man, care should be the signal to prayer. Uh, it, it just should. Um, like, like let allow care and weight to press you down to your knees in prayer. Like, um, uh, there's a buddy of mine, Mike DeVito, a longtime NFL uh, player. He, he, was, he played for the New York Jets. And, uh, you know, the only thing that Mike DeVito loves more uh, than football uh, was the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so with that, uh, Mike, way back in the day, uh, do you know, he set the record for the heaviest squat uh, in New York Jets history. And so uh, I think we, we have a, a video of it, live coverage of it. Check this out. 
that awesome, man, to see Mike Debo just drive that weight up? And you know what he told me? It, it was 700 pounds that he was squatting. And he said, the moment that weight gets on your back, it, it instantly starts to drive you to the ground. And you know that happened with Jesus. Like, like the weight of the sin of the world drove him to his knees uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and listen, it, it sin, the care of this world tried to crush him, but Jesus knew, man, when I feel care, I need to go right to prayer, and he went right to his heavenly Father. Uh, you know, another heavyweight in our faith is the Apostle Paul. And Paul, he, he knew what it was like to carry care, stress, anxiety. And, and he says this, he sa he's going to say this, hey, don't be careful for anything. But when you feel care, he says you need to release your requests to God. And then he promised something. As we would release our request to God, he promised a peace would follow. Uh, he says it like this in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in uh, Christ Jesus. And so, Jesus, uh, uh, under the weight and the stress of the cross, what does he do? He goes to prayer three times and he releases his request to God. Lord, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, let this cup pass. Let this cup pass. And as his requests went up, peace came down and settled on him. See, the end result of letting his request be made known to God, it was the peace of God. And Jesus, he left the Garden of Gethsemane, what? In, in peace and in strength and stability. And he marched straight to the cross uh, to redeem you and I. And so um, did you notice too, uh, Jesus didn't get the answer he wanted, uh, but he did get the peace that he needed. I think that's worth repeating. Hey, Jesus let his request be made known to God. He, he didn't get the answer that he wanted, but he got the peace that he needed. And that's God's promise to you and to me, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And um, I, I need to clarify something too. God always answers prayer. He just doesn't always do it the way you and I want him to. Uh, want him to. And so uh, he answers the prayer in, in one of three ways. Yes, no, or not yet. And so, you, listen, sometimes God is going to say no to your prayers. And thank God he does. Like, like, I can't even, I'm embarrassed to tell you some of the things I've prayed for. Like, it's ridiculous. And I'm so glad that God doesn't answer all our prayers. Yes, uh, but he does say no. Like, like uh, I remember as, as a young teenager, I prayed and asked God to kill me, right? He's like, yes, Adam, your wish is my command. Boom, knocks me dead, right? I'm so glad he didn't do that. Uh, I think there might even have been a ridiculous prayer uh, in my teenage years that, that God would just let me keep my cool mullet. <laughs> Could you imagine me today still rocking the mullet, buddy? Uh, aren't you glad that God doesn't answer uh, yes to all our prayers? Um, do you know that, that God told the Apostle Paul when he asked to have a thorn in his flesh removed, God said no. God said no. And right here we read that, Je that Jesus asked for the cup to pass and let there be another way. And, and the Father said no. And Jesus says, not my will, but your will uh, be done. And so if he says no to Paul and no to Jesus, I'm guessing he might say to, no to you uh, and me periodically, right? And here's what's really odd. Is, is, is God is, he's answered yes to the devil. <laughs> Did you know that? Like, like uh, uh, earlier in the Gospels, it says, uh, Jesus says that Satan uh, has asked me to sift uh, Peter like wheat. 
And so, uh, and what is Jesus's reply? Okay, you can try and sift him. <laughs> he says yes to the devil's prayer that we read in the book of Job that, that Job asks, hey, let me afflict your servant Job. And God's like, Yes, okay, just don't take his life. And so, so we can see uh, some of these uh, things that God always answers prayer. Yes, no, or not yet. And if that sounds confusing to you, uh, I love what Tim Keller says. This is very clarifying. He, says that, he said that God answers our prayers the way we would if we knew what he knew. God answers our prayers the way we would if we knew what he knew. And so here what we see is that when life presses Jesus, he reaches for prayer. And now secondly, what he's going to do, he's going to reach for people that, that Jesus, he, he's going to take his three with him, right? And so the devil, like any apex predator, he's going to look to do th- two things, isolate, then annihilate. He's going to try and isolate you, and then he's going to annihilate you. And so if, if, if the devil can get you alone with your thoughts, he will humble you and bombard you with, with negativity, with fear, uh, with, with desperation. Things look like they're in despair. Like you're just going to hear shame and guilt over and over again. And the devil will bombard you uh, in the life of your mind with negative thoughts if he can isolate you. So um, you'll remember the date, December 11th, 1999. Uh, you'll know that the Philadelphia Flyers, my team, we were in Toronto to, to face the Toronto Maple Leafs. And during the game, uh, a five-on-five fight broke out. That means each player grabs somebody and you're supposed to start fighting. And so I had this guy, uh, Thomas Caberlet. He, was, he wasn't like a really a tough guy. and so, But I wasn't going to be the only one not fighting. So I was going to be like, okay, sorry, buddy. And so, so I start swinging. But there tough guy Ty Domi got loose and he went came around the back and, and he, he grabbed a hold of me and then the two of them tag teed me and kicked the trash out of me once again okay I think we have an image of it right there and so I want you to get a good image of that uh, that, that guy crumbled up in a ball that's that's your pastor okay uh, but you know what what would happen if we were to gang up on the devil and his lies like, like we're going to see Jesus, he's going to grab his three, Peter, James, and John. And, and he's going to invite them in to stand with him in the press, in the garden of Gethsemane. And, you know, in the scriptures, like, like numbers are significant. And, and three is the number of completion or perfection. It's why we see God is perfect as a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one. We see God in the Old Testament. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That, that we see that there's three stooges and three amigos, right? But, but I love what Solomon says. Solomon says, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And so, so who is your three? Who have you invited into your life to be that three-stranded cord uh, And when, when life presses you? Like Jesus had Peter, James, and John with him. Like, like they came with him at the highest of highs, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus, he peels back some of his humanity and reveals his glory and divinity of blinding light. And so, so they were with him at the highest of highs. And now they're going to be with him in the lowest of lows. And in this moment, we see that Jesus is being crushed uh, under the weight of sin. And and he's counting on his three, his boys, to be with him, to stand with him and believe with him. And so who's your three? Who's your three? Man, um, uh, like some of you might be saying, hey, man, I don't need somebody to stand with me, pray for me and believe with me. I'm my own man. All right. Well, hey, uh, dum dum, man, Jesus needed somebody. I'm guessing you're going to need somebody, too. 
And listen, to invite people in to pray with you and believe with you, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Man, it's a sign of wisdom, and it might just save your life. Who's your three? Um, do you know that he, Jesus was inviting them to pray with him? And, and listen, it's just brilliant warfare. Whether you know it or not, you and I are in a war uh, with the devil. And in fact, in, in a real way, uh, do you know right now during the time uh, I'm filming this is Israel is at war. And you know what they've been doing for the last six days? Dominating the air. Just dropping bombs, dropping bombs, but they're they're dominating the airspace. Why? Because then it makes room for the ground war. Win the air war, and it makes the ground war easier. And when you invite people in, you're asking them to war with you, to, to take the air. And in so doing, it'll make it easier for you on the ground. Who's your three, right? And so Jesus, when life pressed him, he reached for two things, for, for prayer and for people. And then last but not least, I want to close with this, is that this really jumped out at me, the humanity of Jesus. Like to see Jesus in, in this point, like where, where he's on his knees, he's crying out the humanity of Jesus. This truly is a highlight that, that doesn't look like one, right? Um, and so, so the divinity of Jesus, Jesus's power, it, it's amazing when you read about it. And it fuels my faith and my confidence in God that, man, no matter what happens, come hell or high water, man, my God is able, right? And, and if you re- remember the miracles, um, but, but you know what happens in those moments of power and might when God flexes? It, it's, it's amazing, but wow, you can feel the distance between you and God. That he's holy and other beyond us. And there can be this holy distance. In fact, I'll prove it to you. You know, like Jesus in his miracles. Do you remember uh, the miracle, uh, Peter's first miracle, where it was the miracle of this ginormous uh, catch of fish. And he, Peter had fished all night, caught nothing. And Jesus says, throw the net on the other side. And the, and the catch was so big that the boat began to sink and the nets were ripping. And you remember what Peter said. He fell on his feet uh, at the feet of Jesus, and he says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Like, like he recognized, man, there is a distance between us. That, that Jesus, he, had, he flexed and he had power over the demonic realm. If you remember the Gadarean demoniac, and he was filled with, with a legion of demons. That's 6,000 demons. And yet, what it, there's no epic wrestle or struggle. It's very anticlimactic. Out of the boy and get into the pigs. And it was just that simple. But do you remember what the the people of Gadara said after seeing this miracle? They said, please, Lord, depart from us. Depart from us. And, and then last but not least, if we get we get to Jesus in nature, remember the, when the, there a storm broke up, uh, broke out on the Sea of Galilee, and all the disciples, these seasoned fishermen, they were terrified and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus wakes up and what does he say? Peace, be still. And then there's instant calm. And it says that after that moment, the disciples were more afraid of Jesus than they had been of the storm, right? It creates this holy distance. But when we see the, the, the humanity of Jesus, man, it's that thing that just kind of reels us into him. And we realize that he's not simply the far off mighty God, but he's the near one who is deeply acquainted with our pain, our suffering. He's what the Bible says is a sympathetic high priest. You know, we read in the scriptures that Jesus was tired uh, at, at the well with the Samaritan woman. He, had, he needed to sit down 
and take a break. That, that Jesus, that, that he was angry at the tomb of Lazarus, at all that sin had done in death. Uh, that he was also sad. It says that Jesus wept. Do you know that Jesus was frustrated um, with the money changers in the temple court area and he flipped the table over. And so, so I can resonate with those aspects, the humanity of Jesus in, in the press. We see Jesus overwhelmed. He tells his disciples, I don't think I'm going to make it here tonight. Watch over me, sweating drops of blood. And it's that Jesus, man, that I feel close to and near to, and I can relate to him. In fact, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Rochelle, he, he says it like this. He says that people will respect you for your strengths, but they will relate to you over your weaknesses. And I found that to be true in, in life and, and with Jesus. And so I, I'll kind of end this way. Uh, I listened to a, a leadership podcast, a guy by the name of Kerry Newhoff, a great podcast. And, and he had uh, kind of mega church pastors, uh, Judah and Chelsea Smith on. And man, they, they pastor kind of like a lot of the superstars, um, Justin Bieber and, and a few others, a lot of athletes and whatnot. But, uh, but it was amazing. During this interview, they started talking about roughly like who's your three? Who are your close relationships uh, um, in your life? And who are your deep friendships with? And they and, and I love Chelsea Smith. I was just waiting for some kind of plastic stock answer. You know, oh, we have all these friends and intimate relations. She says, you know what? She says, I'm terrible at this. I, I don't have many friends. I've been working on it. I've been trying it, but I'm just not very good at it. Kerry Newkoff, he stopped the podcast and he says, stop, just wait a moment. And he says, I want to thank you. He says, because you were so brutally honest and transparent, you've just connected and related with thousands of people. And you know, in, in a real way, that's what happens when we see the humanity of Jesus. It's a highlight uh, that, that doesn't seem like it's one, but it is one. That we get to see the humanity of Jesus. And Jesus, he connects with us through his humanity. And get this, I mean, he's going to be pressed in the garden. And it's going to press him straight into uh, his cross. And it's in that space that Jesus is going to die, uh, raise again. And now he's made a way for us to get to the very garden of God. And so I, I want to end this way. And I feel strongly from the Lord about this, is um, uh, I believe that the, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's extending his hand out to you this morning. And listen, the hand of Jesus is a hand you can trust because it's a, it's a nail-pierced hand. And he's reaching out his hand to you. And, and listen, I'm going to pray. And, and as we begin to pray, would you just do this for, with me? If that's you, man, would you just close your eyes and extend your hand? And, and would you just envision with me the hand of Jesus being reached out to you? And, and I'm going to pray for us. So, Lord, I thank you for everyone who's they're stretching out their hand today. God, I ask, Lord, that you would reach them and meet with them, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're, you're not a distant God, but you're the near God. Lord, I want to pray for those that, that have just been frustrated with their life circumstances. And God, I pray that you'd give them the grace and the peace that they would let their, their requests be made known to you. And as they do, God, may your peace fall upon them. And Lord, I pray for those that are tired and just exhausted. And Lord, as you take their hand this morning, I pray strength would come. Strength would come in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, listen, every nation, the, the, the sermon's over with, but we're not quite finished. I want to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. 
There's three ways you can give digitally uh, to our church. And thank you for those of you that have uh, just so uh, graciously been partnering with us. Um, the three ways you can give, you can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. It's a very convenient way to give. My family and I give this way. Uh, or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you as you are faithful in your tithing and your giving. Every nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation, New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.